Our meditation this morning is from Ephesians 4. It's been some time. It's been two months. And so I'd like to read from Ephesians chapter 4, verses 25 through 30. This is the living word of God. Therefore, putting away lying, let each one of you speak truth with his neighbor, for we are members of one another. Be angry and do not sin. Do not let the sun go down on your wrath, nor give place to the devil. Let him who stole steal no longer, but rather let him labor, working with his hands what is good, that he may have something to give him who has need. Let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth, but what is good for necessary edification, that it may impart grace to the hearers. And do not grieve the Holy Spirit of God, by whom you were sealed for the day of redemption. Let's pray. Father, again, we ask that we would be teachable, that we would hear your word and that we would seek to apply it. Lord, open up our hearts and our minds. Lord, we praise you for your word again, and we commit ourselves to obeying it in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, we see clearly again that we are to put off some things. We are to put away some things from us. In fact, that the impression is you cast it off. We're to cast off, it showed here, beginning in verse 25, we're to cast off lying, of course, we're to cast off anger, and we're to cast off theft and coveting and uh, stealing. Those should be put away from us. And then in verse 29, we see more of what we're to put away uh, from us to put off and what we're now to put on as servants of the king. And those, we are those in whom the Spirit of God dwells, and so uh, we are called to grow in likeness. And this verse relates to our speech, of course. Uh, what we say, what comes out of our mouths, uh, which comes from our heart. And the first part of verse 29 tells us, it says, let no corrupt word proceed out of your mouth. And that word corrupt, if you remember, actually means rotten. Nothing rotten should come out of the mouth of believers. Corrupt words are those things which are not pleasing to the Lord. They do not honor him. And they tear down rather than build up the saints. And corrupt words grieve the Holy Spirit because they are against his holy will. They are against his law and his grace. And verse 30 is between actually two lists of things that we're to put off, sins that we're to cast away from us. And those grieve the Holy Spirit of God. And they do not please him. And the Spirit knows that they hurt us. They hurt us and they hurt others and they divide the body. And so what should come out of our mouths and pleases the Spirit are words that edify then, which means build up. And encourages each other, builds us up in the faith together, which then imparts the grace, which is intended by the spirit of grace, uh, using the word of grace. Now, the spirit does not grieve, though, as we do. You know, when we think of grieving, it's, it's different in the spirit, for the spirit of God. You know, we grieve in many ways. We grieve when we lose things. We grieve in, in times of loss. We grieve because of pain uh, or sin, our sin. Uh, but the Spirit lacks nothing. He is almighty. He is holy and perfect. And as a person, though, he feels and is moved when he sees us in willful sin. He loves us and he cares for us. But sin, specifically here, the sin of rotten words, or you could say the sin of the tongue, grieve the Holy Spirit. And it impacts, as I said, the fellowship our fellowship with the Lord. 
And these kind of words dishonor the Lord Jesus. And we know this grieves the spirit. Anything that dishonors Jesus grieves the spirit because the spirit exalts Jesus. We know from John 15. So that when we fail to do the same, when we fail to exalt Jesus in our words, we grieve the spirit. It grieves the spirit to see the consequences also of, in our lives, of, of uh, this sin, of the interruption, if you want to call it that, of our fellowship with him. It grieves him to see this. Charles Spurgeon said, grieving the Holy Spirit produces a lamentable result. In the child of God, it will not lead to his utter destruction, for no heir of heaven can perish. Neither will the Holy Spirit be utterly taken away from him, for the Spirit of God is given to abide with us forever. But the ill effects are nevertheless most terrible. And he goes on, the Holy Spirit's grief is not of a petty, oversensitive nature. He is grieved with us mainly for our own sakes, for he knows what misery sin will cost us. He reads our sorrows in our sins. He reads our sorrows in our sins. He grieves over us because he sees how chastisement will incur, the chastisement we will incur, and how much communion we will lose. So the Spirit's desire is for us to see Jesus, to know him, to have uninterrupted communion with him. And praise God for the Spirit's loving work when we do sin. I mentioned this morning, we do sin and we have an advocate. And in the Spirit, he is loving and he convicts us of our sin and he enables us to confess it then and to to repent of it. And the Holy Spirit, we see here in verse 30, is the one who seals us. We've seen already a seal in the service, but he seals us for the day of redemption, it says. He seals us. He is the promise of our inheritance in the Lord Jesus. He is the claim upon us. He is the one who indwells us and and seals us. And I'd like to close by reading a related verse on on this promise. This is from Ephesians chapter 1. It begins in verse 13, 13 and 14. And it says, In him, that is, in the Lord Jesus Christ, you also trusted. So in him, you trusted in Jesus. After you heard the word of truth, the gospel of your salvation, in whom also, that is in Jesus also, having believed, you were sealed with the Holy Spirit of promise, who is the guarantee of our inheritance until the redemption of the purchased possession to the praise of his glory. Praise God. We have a guarantee. We have an inheritance that is guaranteed. And sin is so foolish in that we are grieving the one who is the guarantee or you could say the down payment. He is the mark of our inheritance, which is the redemption of our body from the grave at the resurrection day. The wonderful promise of blessing that we have as his people, as his children. In our time of confession each week, we seek the help of the Spirit to confess. And so we bow on our knees to humble ourselves before our King that we might then come in joy to his table to commune with him where we may receive grace to walk in the spirit again this coming week. And this table of the Lord is also a seal, and it's also a promise, as is baptism, that we are the Lord's, and that we should then walk in faith. Should walk in faith in the power of God's grace. And may we follow the leading of the spirit, and rejoice greatly, and give thanks that he has made us, that he has stamped us as part of his family. And may we rejoice in the promise, uh, the spirit of promise, and the guarantee of our inheritance. Let's pray. Lord, we have been so greatly blessed to be called your people. 
and to be able to commune with you now and to receive grace at your table. And we come in humility, knowing what grace means that you have forgiven us in Christ and you have put your seal on us or in us through your spirit of promise. And oh, may we be more ready to please you, walking by faith in your promises, walking in holiness and in the fear of the Lord, and cease grieving your spirit who dwells in us. Lord, may we partake of this communion with you in a manner pleasing to you now, for we ask it in the name of Jesus Christ, our Lord. Amen.